I listen to the Black Guy Who Tips podcast because Rod and Karen are hot. But anyhow, when in doubt, went on out and bought it because I thought it would be jamming. But examine all the flowski. Walski's awfully sad and it's costly. But that's all she wrote. And I hope I never have to float in that boat up Shit's Creek. It's weak is the last quote that I want to hear when it's going down. When all said and done and they got a new Joe in town. When the record player get to skipping and slowing down. All y'all can say is them niggas earn they crown. But until then, hey. It's the Black Guy Tips Podcast with your host, yeah. Rod and Karen. Y'all said we want to start singing. And continuing our trend of having, uh, you know, athletes that play, played in the game professionally on the podcast. Cool. With two, with our second one. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> we have we Steve. coming out of sports. <laughs> we have my man Steve White, uh, who formerly played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the podcast with us right now. Say what's up to the good people, Steve. What's the deal? Now we now Steve listens to the Morning Jones like I do. And that's actually how I got introduced to Steve uh through Twitter and through listening to Bobani Jones in the morning. Uh you listen to him every morning, man, or I try to, you know, some mornings obviously, you know, have, you have other things going on, but I try to catch them every morning. Yeah, now, dude, that show is a breath of fresh air, I believe, compared to what else is on the radio. Well, I think what you what you usually have on the radio is just a big echo chamber, and the thing that's most refreshing about Bomani is that he usually gives you a perspective that you're not going to hear a lot of other places, and you know, you get tired of hearing the same old thing, especially I know here. Without local radio, I mean, it's literally cookie cutter. You can just, I mean, you can just play on a loop the same thing all through the, throughout the day. And it would be the same as how our local radio is. But, you know, I just enjoy having somebody actually challenges people to actually think outside the box a little bit and just not buy into the media narrative all the time. Yeah, that's what I like about it too, man. Like, I feel like he's more speaking on the game overall. And not just the game on the field, but, you know, the game of life, man, the media, the, the way people are perceived and the way that people need to uh, to act in order to uh, handle that perception, man. Exactly. And, and, you know, like I said, it's a lot safer and easier for people to just say what everybody else is saying. But he kind of, you know, he steps out there and, and kind of puts, puts himself on the line to say what he really feels and not just say what he thinks people want to hear. Yeah, exactly, man. Now, how, how long did you play for the Bucks, man? I actually played for the Bucks for six years, and then I played once. My final year was with the Jets. Okay, okay. Actually, uh, actually, shit, I almost forgot. I got to do all the intro stuff. I got, <laughs> I got right into talking to Steve. <laughs> all right, guys. So don't forget to search for the podcast, The Black Guy Who Tips, on Facebook, iTunes, and Podomatic. Just search The Black Guy Who Tips. Our stuff will come up. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. Uh, we always interact with our fans, and we try to get to that stuff on Saturday. Um, also, don't forget the official weapon of the podcast is the taser. And the unofficial sport of the podcast is bullet ball and bullet ball extreme. And, uh, you know, also you can take the podcast straight from Podomatic, copy and paste it into your uh, Facebook status. People can play it right from your page. And I do see when people share the link on their page, and I appreciate that. Cool. Uh, you know, definitely helps spread the word right there. Um, and uh, I guess we can go ahead and get right into some regular, back into the podcasting. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and also I do want to thank my man Duke 
who donated to the podcast last week. I forgot to do it yesterday on the show, but okay. thank you, dude. Thank you. Uh, more people will probably listen to this podcast anyway, so he'll get, I guess, more people will know that he was generous. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, all right, man. You can call the show 704-557-0186, and you can leave us a voicemail, and we get to those on Saturday. Now, back to... Back to the matter at hand. <laughs> now, Steve, man, I know as a defensive player, um, you guys have, like, the defense in general. Y'all y'all have a, a target on your back from the NFL. You know, they don't – they pay you to do a job, but they don't want you to do it too good. You know what I'm saying? Right, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> like, it's the only – it's the only – it's the only side of the sport or the ball where they're like, yeah, not, not that hard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things where – the common perception is the lower the scoring is in the NFL, the fewer fans we're going to have. You know, a lot of people don't want to tune in and see a 3-3 three to three game. And I kind of understand that. And so, of course, they're going to make it as easy as they can without just being blatant about it for teams to score. And we as defensive players in general just have to kind of adjust from year to year to the new rules they put in place and go from there. Yeah, I tried to. Uh, I believe you put a, a like a question out on Twitter one day, and you said like of all the rule changes in the NFL, you couldn't think of any that really benefited the defense over the offense. And I really, I thought about it long and hard, and I came up with one which was kind of a half-assed one. I wouldn't even consider it, you know, necessarily a hundred percent on the defensive side, but it was the forced out rule now, where yeah. it used to be up to the ref's judgment whether a guy landed in bounds or not. Yeah. And they kind of took it out of his hand and said, look, if the dude falls out of bounds, it's just out of bounds. No more questions. So you would think, well, that benefits the defense because they can push a dude out in, while he's in the air. But but that's one rule in 32 years since I've been alive. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And, and when you think about it, I mean, really we're just reverting back to the way it, it had been for years until they changed the four-time rule to begin with. And you have to say to yourself, this was the only rule where you could get away with almost doing something and having count is doing something. <laughs> I mean, I, I almost got this sack, so just go ahead and get my sack. Yeah. <laughs> then, I, well, I almost got my feet in. If he ain't pushed me, I'm pretty sure I could have got my feet in. Oh, okay, well, that's a catch. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so subjective. You want to talk about one area that is the most subjective area you can ever have in any sport. The four-star rule had to be it because there's no way you could possibly know if somebody would have, you know, been coordinated enough to get their feet down. Hey, you see people that don't get hit that can't get their feet down. Yep, but you try to tell me, oh, well, you know, this guy right here, he was going to get his feet down. No, yeah, go ahead and give him a catch. It's definitely so, a- in, in a way, it, it helped the defense, but really it just made things fair again. I mean, it was just really completely unfair if you ask me. Steve, I have the force I rule to begin with. Yeah, I agree, yeah. man. I agree. Yeah. Um, one thing I do wonder about, though, man, and this is from a perspective of, look, I like athletes. You know what I'm saying? I know more people who either wanted to be an athlete or tried to be an athlete or, or became some type of professional athlete. Um, so I always side with the athlete, and I admit that I'm biased. You know what I'm saying? And I'm on Albert Haynesworth's side, and I know that's like the most unpopular nigga next to LeBron. <laughs> but I don't, I don't care. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I'm not going to get your money. I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm not going to say anti-boss, 
but I'm very about making every dime you get because that man signed the check is getting his money. Right. So, so like when it comes to like the concussion issue, like I'm conflicted because on the one hand, I feel like yeah, you you're making defensive players' jobs almost impossible because there's a fine line between somebody just getting hit with a solid hit and somebody you know it could literally be an inch and it would lead to a dude getting a concussion and it seems like it seems like what their idea is is to penalize people on the back end which i don't think you can do because unless you can tell the future you don't know you're gonna give somebody concussion when you hit them exactly and and and, you know people kind of got upset when uh Harrison said that he doesn't want to injure anybody, but he don't mind hurting them. But if you ask any, any uh, NFL defensive player, hell, any college football player, behind closed doors where they knew they wouldn't get vilified for it, if they felt the same way, that's exactly how we all all feel. We all want to hurt the other guy. You know, you hear stuff like snot bubbles. You want to hit them so hard to have snot bubbles coming out. You want to hit them hard enough to hurt them, but... Really, you'll you'll be hard pressed to find me a guy that's actually trying to injure another player and put him out for the year or give him a concussion. You're trying to hit him so hard that you dislodge the ball, or at the very least, you intimidate him so the next time he comes across the middle or the next time he sets back to pass, he's thinking about you coming. Right. And that's a part of football. It's always been a part of football. It always will be a part of football. With the concussion issue, the the thing that's so funny to me is that. You know, they made this big deal out of one week where you had all these DBs, basically, and then you had Harrison hitting wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Well, what about if you're so concerned? What about defensive linemen and offensive linemen who hit the, together almost every single play helmet to helmet? I know because I was one of them. That's part of what you do. Your helmets come together and then your hands come together. Mm-hmm. Every single play. That's why they say if you're an offensive or defensive lineman, it's like going through 30 or 40 car crashes a game. What about the fullback taking on the linebacker every play on the ISO? You know, that's all they do, run and blow each other up on, on uh, what was it, uh, Hard Knock? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the kid uh, for the Jets. John Connor. I was talking about John Connor. They was talking about because he was running there and blowing up the fullback. They was going head on head, mm-hmm. trying to knock each other out every play on ISO. But you're not going to hear about that. We're not defensive players. And, of course, I'm doing the air quotes right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's only the wide receivers or the quarterbacks who are the defensive players. Why? Because where do you get most of your scoring from? Right. The wide receivers and the, and the quarterback. And so, for me, I just don't take it seriously. I feel like the NFL is so good at controlling the message mm-hmm. that people get, it's almost like people get brainwashed when they watch ESPN or they watch NFL Network and the NFL message is coming through so strong, they don't stop to think about it. Like I was having a discussion with a, a NFL writer, a female NFL writer on Twitter, and she was so convinced. Well, they're just trying to look out for the players so they don't want to look out for themselves. I'm like, <laughs> no. If they were serious about this, then for years they wouldn't have had some kook uh, heading up the concussion uh, uh, study, mm-hmm. come to find out he don't even do, know anything about the brain. He, his, he was a doctor, but he wasn't a doctor who <laughs> had anything to do with brains. I'm serious. Wow. He was a doctor for uh, the New York Jets. And he was heading up the NFL concussion study. 
and he didn't know anything about the break. Wow. And all these older guys that played in the NFL got denied for years and years and years when they would say they had a mental problems connected to football. Man, the disability boy would, would, would first give them the run around and make them jump through all these hoops. And then at the end of the day, still deny them coverage. Wow. So my thing is, <laughs> if you're serious, then first let's start with healthcare. We know it's a violent game. We know it's a game where you're going to lose some marbles out there on the field along the way. Give these guys longer health care. If not lifetime health care, at least certain things should be covered for the rest of their lives, including stuff like dementia. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you're really serious about this. And then you're talking about a strike zone, hitting somebody with a strike zone. And, we, and you and I kind of talked about this on Twitter, and I talked about it with some other people. People don't understand when you, a lot of people, not everybody, right? But a lot of people, they think that when you watch this super slow mo replay of a guy hitting another guy, that it's really like that in the moment, and it can be the furthest thing from the truth. I got fined for hitting uh, Chris Chandler. Now that dude was a walking concussion, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I hit him and I gave him a concussion, so I knew that I was going to get. Uh, uh, we call it, you know, the FedEx package on Tuesday. <laughs> but the, 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 the thing about it was, I was aiming for his chest. I always, when I played, I was always taught to hit with your eyes. I mean, put your eyes on the guy. And that, and that way you know that you're never ducking your head. And when I taught kids, when I taught kids on the high school, college, even peewee level, I tell them the same thing. Tackle with your eyes, and then you know you're never ducking your head. My eyes were going right for his chest. Chris Chandler does not like to get hit. So guess what Chris Chandler did when he saw me? He ducked. So now I have no way to not hit this guy helmet to helmet. And, of course, he took the worst of it. Right. Damn, I get fine. The only other alternative I had was duck my head, and then I'm on the field with a broken neck. Mm. So when you get to the point of, of threatening stuff like suspensions, $75,000 fines, you're going to mess with the integrity of the game. And what I mean by that is, we, you look at those replays of all of those plays. One guy basically made some, some dirty plays, in my opinion. Why? Because Brandon Merriweather hit Todd Heap both times after Todd Heap had already missed the pass. Right. The passes were gone. He didn't have any chance to catch him, and he still went helmet to helmet with him on purpose. Yeah. Right. Now, <laughs> people would say Harrison's hit was, was was were dirty. I don't really agree with that. One, when you had uh, the wide receiver run the reverse, he becomes a running back, so he's not a defensive player. Right. Two, the crossing route. I feel like he just ran through a guy who was light in the butt. And he ran straight through him. That's how we teach guys to do, run straight through a guy. Mm-hmm. Now, it's up for debate. So I won't say that, you know, I'm right and everybody else is wrong. Right. But that's the way I see it. But now you're saying that these guys are basically going to lose their livelihood. Now, now, let me ask you a question. How long do you think it'll be that a GM is going to keep somebody on their roster? It ain't just that these guys are getting fined and suspended. Now you're not available to your team. Right. So how long will the GM keep a guy on his team that keeps getting suspended? Not long. 
But on the other side of it, how long is he going to keep a guy on his team to keep missing tackles? Not long. A rock and a hard place? Yeah. Oh, my God. And, you know, here's the last thing I'm going to say about this. Mm-hmm. Back to the messaging of the NFL. And this is something I, I was going to actually do a blog post about it, but I, I just got caught up doing other things. Did you notice how quickly the NFL pronounced last week that the changes worked? Yes. Uh, there was no possible way they could have reviewed all the films from the game. Hell, the one game hit, the, the, the Sunday evening game had just ended when the NFL pronounced, oh, we didn't have any uh, uh, bad hits this week. It worked. It worked. All the rules worked. And you <laughs> heard everybody repeated. Everybody jumped on their bandwagon and said, look, it worked. Nobody got hurt. Uh, yeah. Everybody still had made all the tackles. It worked. It worked. That's what I'm talking about with the power of messaging the NFL has. Nobody even questioned how they could possibly make that announcement. <laughs> so soon after the games were over, they just repeated it. Later on in the week, one guy, a guy I played with, Trent Dilfer, was actually on ESPN and showed some questionable plays mm-hmm. where guys did hit helmet to helmet. But it was too late. Right. The NFL already said, we don't have any bad hits this week now. Y'all going on, man. <laughs> we worked this out. We were right. Everybody else that was complaining was wrong. We told y'all they could have just. And so now it's taking effect that the rules work, the rule change work, right. and everything's going to be great. Well, I guess we'll see for the rest of the season. Yeah, my main thing with the whole rule was, first of all, I was like, it's a media message. You had the guy get, you know, murderized at Penn State the day before. Then you had four people get concussions. And, of course, everyone started talking about it. It led, like, every broadcast. And the NFL did a good job of getting in front of that and pretending to care because they couldn't have not done anything, I don't think. And they couldn't have come out and said the truth, which is, Man, we ain't trying to suspend these motherfuckers for every hit like this. Like, you know how much money, like, is invested in, uh, even though, you know, fans don't like it, but do you know how much money is invested in just the defensive players? A lot. Yeah. I can't take Ray Lewis out of the game because he hit somebody too good. And you know what? I would be mad if I bought tickets and Ray Lewis was not there. Exactly. So as much as we, you know, we bitch about, oh, it wasn't a high-scoring game, we also don't like to see our team get scored on. Right. We like to see everybody else high-scoring game. And everybody, everybody feels that way. Every There's 32 or however many NFL franchises, there's 32 teams that have fans that feel that exact way. I would like to see the Colts score 40, but not against my boys. That's true now. So I'm just looking at it from the perspective of, I knew it was a hustle when they came out and was like, yeah, we about to cut down on this stuff. And then the next week, you know, I didn't feel like there were too many plays where dudes like completely let up. But what I thought I saw was there were there were plays that even if you look at the plays uh, where the people got concussions the week where it was a big scandal or whatever, those plays weren't necessarily game changing plays. So we wouldn't really notice it on a weekend week out basis because even if uh, somehow Ty Heat 
doesn't get a concussion or doesn't get hit in the head right there. He still didn't catch either one of those balls. That's true. And and something he was talking about, he's right. Because, like, this morning it was seven games. So you had yeah. seven games going on with four quarters. Then it's 15 minutes. That's a lot of tape. Yeah. We got ESPN Red Zone, but they only show the touchdown. <laughs> they don't show the whole game. Yeah, That's right. a lot of film. Yeah. And so, and so nobody brought it up. And, and here's the thing about that. They brought it up on, on uh, what, Sunday night in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And really, to me, that's where the whole suspension thing came from. You got Rodney Harrison pro- proclaiming that, well, I didn't care about fines, and so the only thing that made me pay attention was suspension. Right. Well, you were fucking crazy your whole career, dude. That's <laughs> what you were known for. Yeah. You were known for not caring. What about all these other dudes? Anybody ever known Dustin Robinson to be a, a, a dirty player? Nope. No. <laughs> Even up until that game, nobody had known Brandon Merriweather to be a dirty player. Yep. So you're going to base the need to suspend everybody on, one, Rodney Harrison, one of the dirtiest players <laughs> ever played a game, saying that's the only thing that actually matters to him, and two, never even taking a look to see if, Hey, did this guy really actually start playing differently after he was suspended? Yeah. Because I can tell you one thing. Mm-hmm. I don't remember him ever changing his style. Right. Yes. And the thing that really kind of was fucked up, man, I'm an Eagles fan, but the Dante Robinson find to me showed that was the proof that they don't really care. Like, if, if they wouldn't have found, if they would have found, uh, find, uh, Harrison and Merriman or Marion, how you pronounce that, uh, I actually would have understood that. Because those hits to me, I could understand the technical, like, yeah, you literally hit him helmet to helmet, blah, blah, blah. You know, Harrison a little more questionable, but I could have understood because they probably would have found him even before trying to emphasize on fines. But Dante Robinson got knocked the fuck out, too, and it was a bang-bang play, and it wasn't, I didn't think it was malicious at all. And these dudes are both going at full speed. And yet, somehow, that dude deserved just as much a fine as everybody else. That's a PR move. That's not an actual safety or let's investigate the hit. That's, oh, that was a concussion that everybody saw. Let's go ahead and throw some fines that way and see if we can work it out, man. But, the question uh, I have is, on the very tape that the NFL sent out, that was purportedly to show the players what was legal and what wasn't, what made that hit? that Dante Robinson put on Deshaun Jackson any different from the hit that Earl Bennett put on the punter. They mm. were the exact same hit. Maybe, maybe with a little bit less force because the kicker, the punter, of course, isn't running as fast as Deshaun Jackson. Right. But they were the exact same hit in the exact same area to a defenseless player and they actually put that on the side of, well, this is a perfectly legal hit. <laughs> and that goes to show how stupid this whole thing is. Yeah. But they ran the game so cold that people just accepted it like, man, the NFL really cares about these guys and their livelihood. No, the NFL cares about their dollars. Yep. And when the fans started thinking, well, this is just too barbaric, it's just like with boxing. When, when people were trying to outlaw boxing, it's just like with the UFC back in the day when anything went and they, they ended up actually outlawing yep. MMA. As big as the MMA is now, a lot of people don't realize that it was it had the potential of being bigger when there was no whole pose bar, but it was so barbaric that people ended up actually getting it banned. 
And then it went overseas to Japan and, and China and blew up and made a lot of people a lot of money. And yep. so what did the UFC do? Well, we're going to come with a kindly, gentler MMA with some rules. Now, and now they got these, they stacking their money up. So it, 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 it's all about money. It ain't about the players. It's about a PR move. And they pulled it off. I get to them. They pulled it off without a hitch, but it's bullshit. And sooner or later, <laughs> the thing I keep looking for is there's going to be more instances where guys turn down his like they did last week, like the uh, Ravens uh, safety did last week. And sooner or later, there's also going to be a guy who is scared of getting fined, ducks his head, and gets hurt. I don't yeah. want it to happen, but I just know sooner or later it's going to happen. And I want to see how they're going to respond to that. Yeah, I do, man, because it's, re- it's all about the media reaction to it. And I think if you, if you get any type of media reaction, then the NFL is really good with being responsive to it. Like, say what you want to. Them dudes know their core audience. They know their target audience and what moves the meter. They know, hey, if we find Chad Johnson for celebrating the touchdown, that's going to get a positive response. Uh, but we can let Brett Favre run around like a fool after he throw a touchdown, and that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he can do what he wants to. But, you know, it, 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 I think one thing, if I was a politician, I'd get the APR people from the NFL to run my campaign. I, I'm not even lying. Because, because for years, nobody wanted to play a game in London, and now we got a game every year in London. And sooner or later, we'll have more games in London. Right now, people are talking about this 18-game schedule. I wouldn't be surprised if they come back and make it a 17-game schedule. And guess what? After people don't complain so much about 18-game schedule, then they might actually look like, well, that's kind of fair. They're only going to have one more game. Yeah. <laughs> I personally can see what, what happened now. They're going to find a way to get to 18 games. But first, if the PR is so bad, they'll find a way to make it look like they compromised. Yeah, man. They and then are- add the 18th game later. They great. And my question is this: For the games overseas, what happened if I, what happened if my team overseas? If I can't pull up for the ticket to London, does that mean I can't go? You know, because you know, in America, I can ride to Atlanta, I can ride, you know, drive to California. But you know, for somebody here, it would be impossible to go over there. Exactly. Well, you know, for the higher end guys, is all the people that got the suite owners or whatever to stay them. Some of those guys could go. But they don't really care. They, you know, they can spend euros just like they spend dollars. So, <laughs> as long as the game is sold out, and you know, they figure concessions are probably higher over there. They probably make more money in that stadium in London every year than they do in any other stadium in the NFL because everything is more expensive over there. Yeah, I don't know how they do on the taxes and everything, but it's all it's all about stretching their market out. I mean, they'll make it seem like they care about American fans. They just care about any fans and money. And so, you know, if that's going to get more people to start watching over there, they can expand the TV audience over there, maybe get them another sweet direct TV deal like they got over here, they're going to keep doing it. Yeah. Now, the thing, I, I don't know if you've ever had a concussion, Steve, but I had one before. And it fucked me up for years, like, and I don't play football. Like, I got it while I was riding my bike. I had a new bike, and I was going way too fast, racing and shit like I shouldn't have been. And uh I tried to slam down on the brakes and stop before I hit this mailbox. 
and I flipped over the front, bumped my head on the concrete, uh, stumbled all the way home. You know, my dad basically made me stay awake because we wasn't about to go to the hospital or nothing, you know. But he wouldn't let me go to sleep and um, you know, I had a big ass knot on my head, went to school the next day, tried to wear my hat in in class. And uh, that was actually the first day I could wear a hat in class because I took my hat. My teacher made me take the hat off, and she seen that knot. She said, "You can put the hat on. Don't even worry." Don't want no trouble, you. Yeah, <laughs> it was my bad. And uh, so, so basically, man, like, uh, oh, and I ruined my damn North Carolina baseball jersey. Did nobody else have one? I fucked it up. But um, uh, anyway, years later, and this is no exaggeration, years later, until I was probably about twenty-five or so. I would have, uh, if I played basketball and I overexerted myself, or if I got hit in the head or something like that, I would have like these migraines and I would have real sensitivity to light and have to take like a lot of ibuprofen and like, you know, six, seven ibuprofen, lay in my room, cut off all the lights, close the blinds, and that would be my night. And the next day I would wake up, my head would still hurt. And, you know, it didn't happen every day, but, you know, the older I got, the less it happened. But that was from one fucking concussion. <laughs> that was from one. Like, it's dudes playing that got, like, six and seven, you know, like, you know, maybe in a season. That's, we didn't even talk about special teams. True. So, and, and, and that's really uh, the, the kind of the unspoken truth about it is that most NFL players get a concussion, probably at least one concussion. I don't care what position you play, mm-hmm. unless maybe you're the kicker or the punter, and even then you might get the business too. <laughs> <laughs> a mild, at least a mild concussion a year. I got several, but you know we didn't call it concussion for long. And I'm not that old. Right. I'm, I'm sure the older people didn't call it anything, <laughs> but we we would call it again then. You know, I I still vividly remember uh, we were playing the, the Vikings, and the Vikings uh, choir chip had some of the worst turf in the NFL. People used to always talk about uh, like Philadelphia's turf and stuff. Minnesota's turf was terrible. We had guys two years consecutively tear their ACL without being touched, just running down on kickoff on their field, and it was really really hard. And so I was going to make this play. I spun around, I fell down, and my head, you know, my head whipped back into the, uh, the turf. And I couldn't see. Like, I, you know, cartoons, you see it through everything. Well, sometimes the cartoons are actually true. So I got up, I go to the huddle, I kind of, uh, make my way over there. I'm trying to blink, thinking maybe I could blink hard enough and fast enough where my vision will come back. And it doesn't. <laughs> and they're lining up. And so it's third down, and I swear I looked, uh, and I noticed that at the time, I said, man, I can't see. I said, man, listen, it's third down. We can't take the time out here. Just line up, come off the ball, and hope that they get off. If they don't, just run off the field. He said, I, I'll help you get off the field after this play. And so I, he helped me line up. I came off the ball. They threw an incomplete, an incomplete pass. He helped me off the field. I didn't go see a trainer. I didn't tell anybody. I got some water, waited till my head kind of uh, cleared up, and I went back out there and played. I wouldn't have started at the time, so I didn't have to go right back in. Right. I was a backup. But I played the rest of the game. 
And that's kind of the, the, the kind of story you're going to get from guys after they finish playing. It ain't nobody going to tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because right. they're cracking down so hard on concussions. But I know guys, uh, I played with a guy in college uh, who was an outstanding wide receiver. I'm trying to remember his name right now. But he, played for, he ended up playing for the Bengals for years and years. Uh, Carl Pickens. Mm-hmm. His, his uh, junior year, which is when he came out early, he was balling. And <laughs> we were playing this game, and he got a concussion. The dude couldn't remember getting a concussion. That's how bad the concussion was. Mm-hmm. So he kept trying to grab his helmet and run back on the field. Like he'd sit there for a few minutes, then he'd look up and see the offense out there, and he'd try to take off for the field. We had to hide his helmet. Damn. Because he couldn't remember that he had a concussion. Now, that's if he played the next week. I ain't even got to ask. I guarantee you play the next week. <laughs> because, because, because it's, it's kind of like the deal we make with the devil. We know. We don't really know to the extent. But we all know, man. It, 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 it goes without saying. You don't say it because saying it is accepting it. And now you go got to go out on the field like, man, I'm really about to fuck the rest of my life up. And nobody wants to think about that. And you lined up against our 300-pound dude. But we know, man, when we go and we sit down and we buy ourselves, we know that later on in life, if we make it later on in life, mm-hmm. our joints are going to be screwed up, any kind of surgery we have is going to be arthritis there, our brains are probably going to be screwed up, and that's the, the trade we're making for all this money y'all going to give us. So that, that's basically how it goes. I'll be honest with you. A couple years back, which would have made it, like, I stopped playing in 2002, I said around 2005 or so, man, I was having a real problem with my memory. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't have been a big deal, but I always prided myself on my memory. Like I had close to a photographic memory for most of my young life, literally. And, you know, even now, like I can remember Carl Pickett's name at first. It's still a little bit slower than it used to be. I'm terrible with names now, anything like that. But in like 2005, 2006, man, I was just sitting around trying to think of something I couldn't remember. And that was some scary stuff. Now, thankfully, it got better with time. But I'm telling you, there is a dude, I I bet you there is a dude that played in the NFL more than three years that didn't have three or four concussions, whether they were mild or not. And then eventually, after he got done playing, didn't have some type of minor, in some cases, major mental problems, whether it's just not being able to remember names as well, or there's a guy here in Tampa that played some years before me. He actually played on uh, the teams with, with, when Doug Williams was still down here, the quarterback. Tight end, he was a tight end, went on to become a financial advisor, had his own uh, state farm business, and one day, he couldn't remember anything. And so he had to shut down his operations because, you know, when you're uh, working with State Farm, he wasn't just doing insurance, he was also doing investment. And when you have fiduciary responsibility to somebody's money, you can't have any mental problems like this. Right. Like, you mess around to lose somebody's money, that's going to be some problems. Yeah, you can't so call him, you can't, you can't be like, yeah, my concussions was acting up that day. <laughs> Right, you know, you can't just act like it was no big deal. <laughs> and so he literally 
you know, he's been doing that for a long time. So, like, right now, he's trying to figure out what he's even going to do. Now is his second career. This dude is, like, in his late 40s. Wow. So, it's a reality, but it's a reality nobody really wanna think, wants to think about or accept, especially when you're playing football. Because you are getting the money. You know, and with the money comes the fame and the chicken and the balling and the women and playing everything else. All comes with it. <laughs> so you make that trade. And now, some guys it's not even about all this. Some guys it's about I'm building legacy for my people, my my mom, my dad, my right. kids, whoever, my wife. And I'm not gonna ever work again. So it won't matter. It's serious not mattering. Unless you're one of those guys who's fortunate enough to, you know, continue doing something where you can make some money. But it is what it is, man. I mean, it, it really is. A lot of guys will not tell you that while they're playing, but they know. Everybody knows. It's just, you just accept it and move on. And I know for me, that's why... I personally believe in athletes making all the money they can. I I root for the player when they hold out. I personally do. I say get your money while you can get your money because a lot of people don't understand the structures of different contracts. Everybody assumes that your money's guaranteed. Your money's not guaranteed in the NFL. You know, they pay you a certain amount of money up front, then the rest you probably would never see. So that's why, because I, I mean, Roger joke about it, but I tell them, I don't get concussions at my job. Nobody's football tackling me while I'm typing at my desk. Nobody's beat me over my head. Nobody stabbed me with pins and nothing like that on my job. So that's why I don't make the money you do. So I'm I'm for the players getting all the money they can while they can because I don't have to retire at the age of 40. I don't have to retire at the age of 45 or 50 and I don't have the problems that a lot of you guys have. Most average person doesn't but they want the money without the issues and the problems that go with that and it doesn't go hand in hand. One of the things I noticed too is like if I had if I had to deal with that stuff because I know a lot of niggas that took free concussions whether it was ass whooping <laughs> or playing on the field and didn't get money so first of all you're going to have to pay me for a concussion. I know it's something. But um the other thing, though, man, if I was a player, I would blame any time I fucked up on concussion. Every time. Like, if I missed an assignment on a route or some shit, hey, man, my concussion's acting up. If somebody, like, if I get in trouble off the field, I, man, my that was my concussion, dog. What you, what you expect? They're like, oh, you ran the number one dog fighting ring in the world out of Virginia? Yeah, dog concussion, man. Uh, yeah, like, this is a common cold or something. No. <laughs> It's not, it's not something you can catch. It's so much they didn't know about concussions. You might could have got away with that yeah, shit. Yeah, years ago. <laughs> that might have been an excuse, man. All right, man. Let's, but, but, but see, here's the thing, though. And, and once again, it's always these double-edged swords. You you probably could get away with that for a while. Maybe not the dog catching ring, but right. you probably <laughs> get away with that for a while. But then, once again, they cracked down so hard on this concussion stuff. Then all of a sudden you constantly can't play because you said you had a concussion and you know these concussion tests you ain't you ain't passing these concussion tests mm-hmm. now you damaged goods now I don't want not only will your team fire you won't nobody rehire you ain't nobody gonna find you to a deal after you done had concussion you watch and see and five years from now people, we're gonna actually end up going backwards to to guys not really telling people when they have a concussion. Why? Because you're going to have free agent classes where a bunch of dudes going to get signed because they had a history of concussion. It's going to happen. Mm. It's going to happen. 
I believe you, man. All right, let's let's lighten it up a little bit, cause I know everybody that tuned in, they like, man, this shit ain't as funny as normal. They they're talking about life altering injuries and shit. Um, <laughs> let's let's do some. Uh, you want to do some random thoughts, Ken? Yeah, th- we're gonna do the diff. We both got random thoughts, but these are my random thoughts. Now, you know, my random thoughts gonna be a little different than Rod, but these are my random thoughts. Roger always picks at me about being really, really nice. So being nice can suck sometimes. And for those of you that's nice out there, I got a little trick. Um, and when you're extra nice, you get uh, caught up in pointless, endless conversations that you really had no intentions on being in. So I've learned a few techniques. One, you can change the topic. And you can say stuff like, um, hey, did you know I have gray hairs on my toes? <laughs> just change the topic especially if it's really boring there's nothing you want to hear just make it so uncomfortable for them that they'll get up and leave and then you say hey did you know uh, my kids vomit can shoot up to five feet away on a good day no I did not know I didn't know you had a kid <laughs> I didn't know that either but uh, I don't, don't, don't want to talk to you no more th- th- right. that's right and you leave see I'm being helpful to the people that are extra nice like me and then I have another one you give them a look like you want to taste them and then you slowly move your hand in your desk like you got a taser in your desk. <laughs> and then you stretch your eyes really big and you look at them like if you come any closer, you are going down. That's a good, that's another good technique. <laughs> I'm here to help the people that have problems like me getting caught up in pointless conversations, okay? Then the last one, you turn away all of a sudden and start talking crazy to yourself and say stuff like, I didn't, I didn't, say stuff like, uh, man, I went. I meant to wear the yellow pair of underwear today, and just walk away. Just say something that makes complete so you no just, sense. You just go crazy. Yeah, you're not. You're not really crazy, but you're just letting them know that I'm not the one to mess with. Right. You okay. know, I, I, I'm here to help the people because Roger always tell me how I'm so extra nice. So well, you are extra nice, man. Uh, let me. That that is interesting technique. I say just don't talk to people, man. But you know, whatever, whatever works for you. Um, all right. So I got a boss, and we have a Halloween party Friday. Um, and Halloween parties always fake as hell, anyway. You know, they tell you you can dress up, but you know, if you start coming in there too looking too foolish, they gonna send your ass home. Um, but he made a joke about this chick at my job, and he was like. Oh, you she's dressed like a rock star. She looks like that all the time. You know, surprised you're not coming in drunk or something like that. And I was thinking like it's hard as hell to be a boss and be funny. Cuz that was actually funny to me. But she took it and was like, you know, hey, that might be inappropriate. Yes. Yeah, no supervisor will manage to say yes. So I get I mean, yeah, he went straight to HR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Email the manager at hr.com. So like I was, I was thinking like that would be like if he ran up on me and was like, uh, so did you enjoy the malt liquor and chicken last night? Like I would be offended, <laughs> but at the same time I would be like, how do you know that, man? I was in turn to laugh. <laughs> how the yes. fuck? How do you know that I do that every Thursday, man? Like you was on my Facebook page or something? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, man. So have you seen this Baraka Flocka Flames video? Yes, you were showing it to me. All right, man. You seen it, Steve? Yeah. All right, man. People getting way too uptight about this shit. It's, I, now look, I am on Barack's side, and I don't really like to see him get joked on, but he's the president, and as a culture, we always joke on our president. Yes. You know, I can't think of one that we didn't go in on, and Barack kind of is getting it the lightest. And I looked at that video, and I really didn't see uh, 
an actual parody of Barack Obama. I didn't see any real legit criticism of him. I was looking at it more as a parody of how ignorant and dumb Waka Flocka Flame is. Yes, sir. You know, so I was, I, was, I didn't so, get it. Yeah, it, it was more so that, I think. Like, yeah. Here's my thing about it. it, it I didn't necessarily care for it. I think a lot has been blown up way out of proportion as hell the YouTube is, you know, who gives a shit? Right. But here's the thing, and, and I think that, uh, Black people are especially sensitive to this. We have that behind closed doors, keep everything behind closed doors, kind of mentality. A lot of us do. Right. You know, you can joke and you can say the N-word, you can, you know, curse, you know, say whatever you want to about, you know, each other, drink pot liquor and eat chicken and watermelon. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. But you ought to know goddamn chicken in public. <laughs> I know my mom, you know, did definitely raised us to not do any kind of stereotypical shit out in front of people, especially you know white people. Right, Let's just keep it real. I thought it and was so me. Rock a flock of flame. I think that a lot of people, not necessarily, are even tripping that it's because it's Barack. And, and some of them are definitely some of them are. They just feel like you know you, you can't say nothing about Barack. Right. But some of them, I just think it, it's the perpetrating the you know view that this is how black people always are we are smoking weed we right. chicken we combing our chest hair <laughs> and <it's like> this. <laughs> that's all we stood for you know what i'm saying and then it goes close over to you even the first black president ain't nothing but a nigga right that's what it really boils down to i think that's really where all of the Outrage come from. That's not why I was outraged. I was outraged because it was kind of bootleg. Yeah. But it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? It's a YouTube video. This ain't a movie. Ain't nobody going to buy, buy tickets for this shit. You ain't ordering on Netflix. YouTube <laughs> video. So, I mean, they're making way more out of it. If they really were concerned about it, they just should have shut the hell up. Yeah. And then wouldn't nobody even know about it. I but the more they make, you know, this big fuss about it, the more people gonna go watch it. Yeah, it is what it is. It's crazy too because, uh, like, I found it funny, but I didn't think of it as, well, Stanley Crouch would be writing about this shit. And Stanley Crouch, for those that don't know, is a dude that hates rap. Like, he don't just, like, like that dude fucking hates rap, and it don't matter what form it comes in or whatever. And people pull this dude out of, out of the air anytime some hip hop shit goes down. I already, I can already tell what he's gonna say. Let me guess, they was rapping. I hate it. You know, I, it's the worst makes, shit ever. Yeah, it's the worst <laughs> shit ever. He always gonna. I actually read this dude every once in a while. I retweet him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you ever see me retweet this guy, Tanisha Tanahisi, coach. Okay. He always has some good, good stuff on his blog. He actually writes for the Atlantic, but he's done a whole lot of stuff. He kind of reminds me of Bomani. And that he, you know, done so many different things uh, as far as t- uh, writing. And he used to write about music. <laughs> and so, like, he has this one post about Stanley Krauss. Uh, because Stanley Krauss beat up this dude <laughs> over a, a, a bad profile somebody had done. He, like, chased this dude down. <laughs> and, profile of and did all the shit that he claimed rappers do. You know, that just makes them the dreads of society. He, you know, went down and intimidated this fucking writer. Now, you know, Stanley Crouch ain't a little guy from what I understand. 
And supposedly the dude he picked on was like this little pipsqueak guy. And he just bullied him because the dude wrote something about him he didn't like. So I think the, the title is something like Stanley Crouch is a gangster rapper. And that was really the, the first time I really even even was familiar with Stanley Crouch. But the guy's a joke, man. He They pull him out, every, like you said, every time they want to talk bad about rappers and rap, they're going to pull him out the ass. So my thing is, why should anybody care? Yeah, I can't really it's, get behind it. It's well, utterly uh, predictable. You know what he's going to say, just like you said. Oh, it's all rap's fault. Yeah, I, I started, the crazy thing is I started reading the article and didn't know it was by Stanley Crouch. So I read three pages of this shit <laughs> and Aww. got to the end and it said, Stanley Crouch is a contributor. I said, damn, they got me. They got me. <laughs> I couldn't believe they it. Got they got it. Yeah, if you would have just said that, the title of all his articles should be Stanley Crouch says, and then I could just skip the shit because I know what he says. Rap Amen. is fucked up and, and make black people look bad, and that's it, you know? Um, all right, man, so uh, let's give some articles because we, we ran kind of long the time uh, as far as the, uh, the the concussion talk and stuff, but I thought it was worth it. I did too. Yeah, so y'all, anybody that didn't like that, fuck you. We'll see y'all Wednesday. <laughs> um, all right, man, let's do some articles because some of these people did some shit that I think you need to have a head injury to excuse. Wow. Um, mom kills newborn over Facebook game. Facebook, yeah. What the fuck? Now, this does, this did happen in Florida. Now, Steve is down there in Florida, and I ain't trying to besmirch the whole state, but y'all wild, dog. We got some weird shit going on down here all the time, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I can't even say. And then Farmville, should I play Farmville before? Farmville ain't that damn fascinating. <laughs> I mean, Mafia Wars, <laughs> man, Farmville, get the fuck out of here with that. <laughs> so, uh, a Jacksonville woman has pled guilty to killing her baby son over a game on the popular social networking site, Facebook. 22-year-old Alexandra Tobias says her three-month-old boy had been crying while she was trying to play Farmville. Uh, Tobias said she became enraged and told authorities that she shook the baby, then smoked the cigarette to calm herself down before shaking him again. Damn! So she took a shaking break. All right. Wow. You should have smoked some goddamn Drano. <laughs> seriously, though, dog. You ever played Farm? You got Facebook. So I'm sure at some point somebody conned you in a playing Farmville at least once. No, you I, your neighbor or something. I haven't, but Karen was an addict, Steve. Listen, but, but and then she can attest to this. I was an addict for about two weeks. Ain't shit on Facebook that happened real fast. <laughs> it do move slow, don't it? <laughs> it's slow it's like real time. It's just like, on oh. Facebook, it's going to take up so much that it's so time sensitive that your baby crying is going to make you react that way. I mean, come on now. <laughs> come on now. You can't bring in your crops fast enough. What the hell? <laughs> it's messed up, too, because, uh, like, she she went out, shook her baby, took a break, shook her baby again, and I guarantee she still hadn't found that cow. You know, like, nope. that cow was still lost, and man. She had, yeah, the cow, she didn't give him a home or nothing. And she's only getting second-degree murder for this. 
Which I, wow. They, they, they still ain't, she still ain't finished defense. Y'all, the defense is killed. She can't upgrade her homestead yet. <laughs> That's some bullshit, dog. I mean, seriously, she could have done that shit any time. Yeah. Ain't nothing on there time sensitive. Hell, now they gotta work. If your crop's about to rot, you can do something to make your crop last a little bit longer. It's some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. She's blaming Farmville. I never thought we would see the first Farmville murder, but I guess we did, man. Wow. Um, alright. Here's another Florida story. Um, man tattoos lewd image on friend charged with assault. A 20 year old, 21 year old man who allegedly tattooed a penis on his friend's back. Wow. Instead of the image he requested, uh, he, he has been charged with assault. Hey man, this is why I don't mess with people that watch the Jackass movies. Yeah, because that's not funny. He thought this shit was hilarious. I would have killed his ass. Not only that, and he'd have been paying to have it removed. Yeah, permanently put a dick on my back? Oh yeah, you'd have been paying to have that removed. What kind of joke is that? Um, The 25-year-old victim was visiting the man, an amateur tattooist, at his home in Ipswich, about 25 miles southwest of Brisbane. Uh, which he, when he talk, was talking to getting the tattoo. Uh, which I don't understand. It's hard to talk somebody into getting a permanent thing on their body. I don't know if that's something you could just talk me into. Nah, that's something you want it or you don't. I don't. Right. He was high. Yeah, they yeah. were definitely high. They were definitely high. Somebody was high. He was high. He had to be high. And then, you know, I don't know. He might not even be conscious. Right. But, but the real question is, why is the tattoo artist up on a soul charge? Instead of the dude that got a dick tattoo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he walked out of there and then whooped his ass? Yeah. I'm sorry, if I'm a judge, I'm throwing that shit out. Yeah. I'm saying, hey, <laughs> if you didn't immediately whoop this dude ass, you weren't really all that concerned about this tattoo. See? That might have been something you actually wanted and changed your mind later. I literally, I cannot uh, imagine waking up to the, the dick tattoo on my back and being like, well, I never. I'm calling the cops. Like, I would beat the shit out of that. The article would read, man killed over tattoos. Exactly. Gosh, <laughs> Mr. Yeah. I mean, the only thing is I definitely don't want to go to prison with a dick on my back as a tattoo. No. I don't. I, don't, I mean, I definitely got to get that erased before I go to prison. I hope so. But I'm I'm beating that dude's ass 100%. <laughs> Um, police said the tattooing argument followed an argument between the men during which the tattooist allegedly took offense to something the other man said. So, they were arguing and he still let him tattoo on him. Wow. Like, how, what? They must have been some real good friends to think that that wouldn't come back up, man. But, yeah, that's terrible, man. That's horrible. Uh, drugs found inside jailed pregnant woman during C-section birth. Oh, a Cincinnati, a, a Cincinnati hey, woman. Oh. <laughs> this, this story about to be all kinds of wrong. I don't even know how I don't know the details. <laughs> uh, a Cincinnati woman giving birth while locked up also made a decision. <laughs> she was already wow. in prison. Damn. Uh, was while locked up also made another delivery. Oh, I hate when they got jokes in the uh, article. Ah, <laughs> and then they got handcuffs with the pacifier on it. Yeah, for the pictures. And they didn't even take this serious. Uh, according to Associated Press, police said nurses examined a pre- pregnant jail inmate in Cincinnati and found the baby wasn't the only thing she was carrying. Authorities say the 24-year-old um, lady, January Newport. What? Wow. 
Oh, month in the back. Man, that's, man, that can't be. She can't tell me that's a serious story. I mean, she ain't out the month after damn square. Come on now. January Newport. I'm not buying this. Wow. Okay. January Newport, dude. That is worse than any porn name or stripper name I've ever heard. That, is, that, can't, that can't be her legal name. No, you don't even give your kid a chance, man. They never gonna make it in life. You name it on January Newport, man. Um. She was prepared, being prepared for a cesarean section last month when nurses found hidden in her vagina some 15 pills used to treat anxiety. Uh, the Dayton woman, uh, who was arrested uh, the day before a theft charge, um, theft, the day before on a theft charge alleging she stole a computer from a Cincinnati area Walmart store. Yo, you gotta be dumb as hell to try to steal a whole computer too. Like, what was, you pregnant? What was the scheme there? You can't stick that under your shirt. Um, <laughs> uh, Cincinnati Inquirer said the police explained that they do, they don't routinely do cavity searches on new inmates. So that's why she got it through the prison or whatever. Uh, Newport pleaded guilty to theft and, and the illegal conveyance of drugs of abuse. Uh, while she, when she was, she'll be sentenced November 16th. Uh, the information was, re- no information was released about her baby, so that, wow. uh, we don't know if I the hope baby, her baby got in good hands. Yeah, I hope somebody adopts that baby or something, yeah. cause. And name it something, something. I ain't somebody gonna adopt a baby from a woman named Jane. <laughs> 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 you don't see her here. I guess this baby come out pants blocking like Michael Orr. Speaking of babies, we're gonna stay on babies a little bit. Okay. Babies seized, like taken. Okay. After Poppy Seed Bagel triggers false drug test results, parents file suit. Uh, this happened in uh, Newcastle, uh, Pennsylvania. A uh, civil rights lawsuit was filed Thursday on behalf of a Newcastle, Pennsylvania mother uh, who had her baby taken away after a bagel with poppy seeds skewed the results of a drug test. Elizabeth Moore said she tested positive for drugs after delivering her child because she ate a poppy seed bagel before giving birth. Um, Moore said that children and youth services came to her home three days after the child, Isabella, was born at the Jameson Hospital to remove the baby from her home. Um, now, here's the thing. I, I have heard this before, that poppy seed bagels and stuff like that can cause a positive, like, uh, I want to say it's for uh, opium. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, who does opium in 2010? Mm-hmm. Like, is that shit coming back or something? I don't know. <laughs> anyway... So they, I didn't know they drug test women after they give, a, a, give birth. I was just about to say the same thing. There's some fish in here. Yeah. There's some we don't know. Fish Why are you drug testing this lady after she done gave birth? <laughs> that ain't normal. Yeah, I was surprised. <laughs> like, well, she, I mean, it looks like a white woman in the video. I don't know. Maybe, maybe she wasn't, but I, I, I'm very surprised that they even do that, man. Um, even if, like, they were on welfare or something. I, I don't think yeah. that would be a requirement, but, you know. Nah, they, I mean, they're trying to pass a law now to, to make you pass a drug test to get on welfare, but yeah, that law ain't passed just yet. So right. there's something we don't know here. There's yeah. a reason why they was looking at her drug test like that, and they the one buying the poppy seed uh, excuse. Yeah. Made a poppy seed. Right. She's just a little opium, and it got out of her system. I don't know. <laughs> But there's a reason why they drug test that lady. They ain't just up to say, hey, 
that baby look a little high. <laughs> 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 I'm going to go ahead and, and give you this drug test just in case. Uh, yeah, when the baby came out, when the baby came out, it wasn't crying or nothing. It was just real hungry. Like, it was. Yeah, he's all the mother wanted to sleep all the time. <laughs> Why does baby eyes so red? His lips black. What is up with this? Um, but yeah, dude, I, I don't know, man. Maybe she had them Muggsy Bowes lips and it was kind of, you know, like we might as well do a drug test while we're down here. And <laughs> let you know how it turns out. Uh, let's see. Man Rob, Man Rob's Capitola Bank offers bystanders a thousand dollars for a getaway ride. Uh-huh. So this brother didn't have a good plan, or this white dude, he didn't have a good plan. He says, uh, let's see. Police are searching for a man who robbed a bank on 38th Avenue Saturday when apparently offered, uh, then apparently offered bystanders a thousand dollars for a quick getaway. Now. What anything sound funny to you about that first sentence, Karen? They searching for him. He got away. Yeah, I was like, they searching for him. Police are searching. That means he paid somebody a thousand dollars, nigga. I will get you far away from this bank. Hop in. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Damn. Here's the thing, though, it's actually genius when you think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you basically just grabbing some random person that you don't have any kind of relationship with, them or they call to take you off somewhere. So now, when they try to track you down, even if they find a getaway driver, that person ain't got no uh, relationship with you. They don't know nothing about you. They just gave you a ride for $1,000. Yeah. And we all know, (laughs) bank robbers do get caught up because somebody snitched on them. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. The getaway driver. Yeah, dude is like, uh, I thought you were supposed to hire the dude from Transporter. That's what I would have did. You know, I would hire him. But actually, I watched both those movies, and he's kind of a little, he's a little bit of an uptight dude when it comes to getting away. Because, you know, if you don't fasten your seatbelt and do all his rules, you know, he'll yeah, just let you get caught. It. So, I mean, maybe, maybe this is a smarter plan, man. I think so, too. But uh, the worst part is they did take that $1,000 back. They want their $1,000, too. Which is fucked up. Word, you, you're <laughs> that. You, this man give me a thousand dollars. That I'm like, I don't know nothing about no thousand dollars. Like I don't think they found the person who gave him a ride, but oh. they're like, we want you to come back because that thousand dollars belongs to the bank. Well, now you lost a witness too. Like this dude yes. was a genius. I think Steve is right. This dude was a genius because as soon as they said we want our thousand dollars back, if I gave you the ride, then well now I'm an accomplice. I ain't about to turn my money back. That's in. right. You going to jail too because they're gonna tell you you shouldn't have <laughs> took a thousand dollars, and they're gonna give you a fifty dollar crime watch response. Y'all don't want. Give me, hey, give me my thousand dollars. All right, we got a couple more articles left. Uh, let's see here. How? And this is a question I want to ask both of you guys before I read this. How old is too old to trick or treat? Steve, you go ahead. How old is too old? You know what? Man, that's a, that's a, that's really a tough one to, for me to answer. I'm going to say 12 Okay, might be the cutoff, but I don't know, man. You know, adults go, I don't know, man. It, it, it's a hard one. I think you just got to know about your kids. If your kid is listening to 50 Cent, 
That's a good rule to throw on there. <laughs> yeah, it's time to get All right, Karen, what do you say? How old or too old? Yeah, I would say about 12, 13. Okay. Um, because once they get <clears throat> interested in the opposite sex, candy is not on the agenda. Okay, well, um, according to this lady in this article, you guys are off for a few years. How old is too old to enjoy a haunting evening of trick-or-treating? Depends on who you ask. Most parents say middle school or about 12 years old, which both of you guys said. Jessica Getty says she went last year at 26. 26? 26 years old. With no kids? Just out there trick-or-treating? Halloween is her favorite holiday. My parents loved it. They thought it was cool, she says. Uh, she went dressed as the Queen of Hearts. This year she'll be dressed as Lady Gaga, but the jury is still out on whether she will go begging. <laughs> Everyone has to be a kid sometimes. They don't have to be an adult 24-7. You're just this Lady Gaga. You're way out of the uh, Pocahontas and Spider-Man <laughs> genre. I'm sorry. It's not even cute anymore. No, it's, it's not. And if I'm headed out candy and your grown ass come to my door, I'm saying, you ain't got no kids, I'm saying, join your face. Wait, is, is you a midget or something? Maybe she could pull it off. people that she actually is a kid or something because... And we, uh, we're gonna go ahead and assume this ain't happening in the hood. I mean, no, if your ass no. walks to somebody's house and you 26 ass with a trick or treat, you gonna leave it with some damn buckshot. <laughs> That's, you know, yeah, I'm that guy's gonna walk up on nobody's door talking about trick or treat and we 26 years old because they're gonna think, you know, yeah, play too much. This so, one lady's mom, one, one of the moms said, I get a little scared if they are older. If they are out there truly for the spirit or if they are out there vandalizing and picking on little kids, which is what I would think. I saw, them the kids candy. Come yeah, on now. Yesterday, driving home, I saw a big-ass dude with a bag. And it wasn't even Halloween, but I just saw a big-ass dude walking with a bag that looked like a Halloween candy bag. And the first thing I thought was, he out here stealing little kids candy. Aww. You know, you too old. Yeah. Let, let, me give, let me give you this quick story. Now, I live in a, a, a pretty decent neighborhood, you know, it ain't, you know, a mansion or nothing like that, but it's a nice little neighborhood. I go down there uh, on Friday, they got a nice little uh, out, outdoor basketball court. I'm just messing around, you know, I'm shooting basketball just, just to, to have something to do. I'm shooting basketball, it's an outdoor court, but it's a fence around it, so you have to have like a cart to get in. Why does dude walk up to the fence, you know, like he a zombie, he got on uh a Halloween mask. Now, it's a grown man. For mm -hmm. doing it from the side. And you walking up like, you know, you really a zombie or something. And you got your hand in your pocket. I'm like, dude. <clears throat> First of all, I'm a big believer in the Second Amendment. And I have my right to carry. Now, I wasn't carrying <laughs> on the basketball court. Right. And that's really the only thing to say is, dude. I'm like, that is how you know you're in a nice neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. in the hood. You yeah. ain't gonna walk up on nobody playing that kind of game. Yeah, that is not funny to me either. That's right. Yeah, I had those it's, moments. It's Friday. It ain't Halloween. After we and moved. You, and you got your hand in your pocket? I'm looking at him like, yeah. <laughs> You about to get it, bro. I'm just telling you. <laughs> After we moved to this side of town, man, I had a, more than a few of those moments at first, man. I remember one day I came home and the neighbor, the neighboring apartment in our old apartment complex, the dude was sitting on his couch, front door open, watching NASCAR, no shirt on. And I was like, I can't believe nobody ran up in his crib yet. 
that's a nice ass TV. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, he yeah. spoke to me and everything. Hey, man, what's going on? I was like, hey, I don't know, but at least they're going to rob you before they get to my house. That's <laughs> all that matters. <laughs> yes. I encourage that shit. And, and something else, we were here one time and the power went out. And when the power went out, me and Roger just left. We was like, well, we, we'll go somewhere until the power came back on. No, when the power went out, folks were opening up their front doors, raising their windows so their house could cool down. Yeah. Hell no. People know the power out. That's even a better reason for they to rob you with your lawnmower. Right. <laughs> Maybe am I the only one that sees this? <laughs> yeah, we left. And the thing is, though, I it, it, maybe it's because it was a nice neighborhood, but... That power got back on fast we, as hell, dog. Yeah. And we, I over here with, we over here with the voters. The voters, yes. they, honey, they will make sure your street is paid. Our streets get paid every year. And there's parts of Charlotte that the street had got paid in centuries. But they will pave your street every year. And yeah. they will be sure your lights get cut Over there off Arrowwood, dog. That power go out, man. You might as well make some plans. Yes, sir. Like, you go. might not get that shit before school tomorrow. <laughs> you might as well get back to the airport. Alright, we got two more stories. This is uh, let's see. Man accused of pulling gun on Jehovah Witnesses. Oh. Speaking of speaking of running up on people. I know, right? Um, and I always wonder why this doesn't happen more often. Now, I'm not saying it because I don't like Jehovah Witnesses, no. but nobody likes Jehovah Witnesses. And <laughs> and they are the most like roll up to your crib, just unabashedly knock on your door, interrupt your Sunday evening. And spit some game to you. And they come early in the morning. It's been times we've been riding. They've been going house to house. And if I see them getting close to our house, I find somewhere else to go. You know, <laughs> you're not watching me walk into my house. So you come <laughs> directly to me and knock on my door. No. Yeah, that's one I good thing. The next that's one good thing about being black, though, is they don't really come to my house. Like, I've seen them watch <laughs> me go in. And when they see me go in, they would just, like, go to the no, next one. No, we're um, not bothering him. We, yeah. can't, we can't convert that one. A man was arrested after deputy said he pulled a gun on a pair of Jehovah Witnesses as they walked into uh, walked through his front door. According to reports on Thursday afternoon, uh, the two Jehovah Witnesses were preaching in an Arapeka neighborhood when they approached the home of Rudolph Helmold. H-E-L-L-M-O-L-D. Helmold. Wow. Now you know you don't want to fuck with that. No, sir. You got a name like that. He is not the one. You know, right there. Oh, uh, the woman, the women left his property and called law enforcement. They told the responding officers that they were worried Helmo was going to shoot them. When deputies spoke to Helmo later on, he admitted to pointing a loaded handgun at the women. He said they refused to identify themselves and that one of them had reached into a bag. <laughs> she probably was like getting that little Bible they carry. Man, he ain't give a damn. <laughs> it was like, you ain't got no business walking up on me. He's like, get your head out the bag. Uh, he said he became scared at that point when when he he became scared not her which he uh, which was when he pointed the gun and yelled at them Helmo was arrested and charged with two counts of aggravated assault he was taken to uh, Hernando County Jail and he was held on $14,000 fine but you know what I do agree with him you ought to have a sign that say I am a Jehovah Witness how was he supposed to know that I don't honestly I don't know why they arrested him I, I mean, I don't mean no, to be an asshole no, here. No, but I don't see why either. Yeah. And a lot of times, I guess... They obviously weren't in Texas. You know, you, you were in Texas, you got a metal. Yeah. That kind of uh, uh, behavior, but, I mean, come on now. And you know why they don't have a sign? Because then you'd never open the door. <laughs> so, you know, hey, man, I... The whole but, when he asked for identification, though, that's when it's time for get some to get some identification. And you know what? It's what they what they call it since Obama got an office. It's a teachable moment for them. 
I bet you they ask to pull out my identification next time. <laughs> you better have it in your back pocket. Yes. Yeah, right. That's amazing. I couldn't believe that shit, though. Like, and the thing is, yeah, if that was in Texas, he would have got a cookout, a fish fry, or something. Was, oh, thank you. You stayed the whole neighborhood. But you know what? And I guess because of where we are, a lot of the Jehovah Witnesses in our area are white. So a lot of times you can identify them because they, they look like they're coming from church. They have all, like, black pants, white socks, black shoes, white shirts, and their hell has a lot of gel in it. And that, that's my identification. Uh, Jehovah Witness coming to knock on my yeah, door. Yeah, you either work for Wall Street or you coming for some bullshit. Um, Alright, last story. Man admits flooding neighbor's home with garden hose. <gasps> Electrician. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Electrician Francis McGorty, uh used a house pipe to unleash a torrent of water into Shirley Elliott and uh, Bridges of Urn home after he fell out with her. Now, this story is from across the seas. That's why they got this weird wording. Okay. All, although Sheriff Court, the Sheriff Court accepted, accepted he carried out his bizarre actions over a single weekend, the extent of the damage forced Miss Elliott out of the home she shares with her son, David, and her partner, Colin Callahan. I don't know how you pronounce that. Uh, 51 for six months. So they had to lead out for six months. Oh, he'd have been paying for that. I don't care how much we fall out. You don't flood a house. Uh, he, Over the weekend. So that nigga did us for three days straight. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's a plan for your ass, man. He was mad as hell about something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what they... I he was like, turn the water and let it run. Uh, he originally been charged with maliciously damaging the house uh, by repeatedly pumping water into the foundation <gasps> between June 1st, 2008 and April 9th, 19th of last year. Oh, damn, he's been doing this for a while. Two, for two years, he would just put his hose over there, pour water into the foundation, and then, like, pull it back. Yeah. Why? Did, did they say why? I mean, I heard they say they fell out, but did they say why? I mean, was this his lover? Was this, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking at yeah, this. That's, that's what it sounds like, though. When you think about it, it sounds like a relationship. It don't just sound like, you know, I know about Hatfields and the McCoys and stuff like that. You go shoot your neighbor. Okay, that's one thing, but you're going to do something this devious? You're going to put your water hose over there in their house? Man, that's, that's some bitterness for you right there. There's some, some wow. issues going on. Yeah, this dude was ridiculous, man. I, you know, I, ironically, I don't think any of the articles we talked about was about black people this week, so it's, it's crazy. This is a crazy-ass uh, week. I know. No black folks at all this week? A bunch of ignorance and no black people around. <laughs> this, this is ridiculous. Uh, but apparently, yeah, dude flooded her house, and they never really got to why they fell out, man, which is... I'm with Steve on this. That's the most interesting thing. I need to know what was happening, man. Um... It says here the repair bill had cost 47,000 euros, uh, and it forced her off work. And, um, of course, the dude who lived there said he's suffering from lung cancer. Uh, so these motherfuckers got everything bad happening to them. Wow. On top of him, messing, the dude messing up that house. Um, <clears throat> and then the dude that, uh, did the, uh, the water stuff, he sold his house this summer. <laughs> <laughs> well, he moved. <laughs> he moved away. He sold the dude that did all the damage. He he sold his house and dipped. You know, he was like, "All right, y'all about to find out. I'm out. I'm." I'm oh, you surprised you didn't find it out? Yes. Oh damn. So they probably have no idea what this dude is. I don't know, but that's a hell of a plan. Like, 
I, I don't know. Maybe that kid is his or something. I, they need to look into some DNA testing or more or something on this shit because it's a lot more to this story than what they talking about. Yeah. All right. Well, all right, man. Well, thank you, Steve, man. We had a good time, thank man. Thank you. Um, we really got to do this again man, one day, man, because uh, it was really funny. I, I knew you was kind of, um, you know, knew a lot about the concussion stuff and you played the game, but I, I didn't know you was this funny, man. You hilarious, Yes, yeah, you uh, I really enjoyed you. Yeah, I didn't know how this was going to go because normally I end up pissing off big-ass athletes and then I <laughs> apologize. <laughs> I know, via Twitter. <laughs> I got a bad track record. <laughs> yeah, that's man. Thanks for having me on, uh, I mean, I'm on, I'm I'm ready to do it anytime. Just, just get my house. Cool, man. All right, and then let me uh, close out the show and say, look, look us up, theblackouttips.com. Look in the right-hand corner, click the donate button. Make sure everybody, you know, goes out there to Podomatic, iTunes, and Facebook. Search for the Blackout Tips, and you can look us up. Leave us a comment. Email the show, theblackouttips at Gmail. And also, don't forget, you can call the show, 704-557-0186. Leave us a voicemail. We will respond. We will do a feedback show based off of those voicemails and emails. Um, follow us on Twitter. Even Steve is on Twitter. I'm at Ryder Miss Prime. I'm say that again, that S and D-A-T. And Steve, what's your Twitter, man? At SGW94. All right, SGW94. Uh-huh. All right, cool, man. So everybody follows my man Steve. And, uh, you know, until next time, love you. You too, baby. Mwah.